back to the David Glenn Show. Lines open for the first time in a long time. We're playing a little best and worst of the weekend. Mick Mixon on the Panthers in the NFL in the books. Jordan Martinook, Carolina Hurricanes. Fresh off visiting Bank of America Stadium with Canes team owner Tom Dundon and a whole bunch of his Carolina Hurricanes teammates. Most of them were wearing Christian McCaffrey jerseys. He signed autographs for them the year after or later in the same year, I guess, that he was at PNC Arena supporting the Canes playoff run. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? Question from a Wolfpack fan. DG, do you see NC State as a bowl team after that crushing at Wake Forest? Maybe is the correct answer, but if it makes you feel any better, maybe is the answer at Duke and Carolina as well. In all seriousness, as we welcome your calls, worst of the weekend, more bad news for Cam Newton. Foot specialist in Green Bay said no surgery recommended, but rest and that timetable likely will put Cam out past Thanksgiving. So that means Kyle Allen, 6-1 and one as the Panthers starter at QB dating the last year, helped that win over Tennessee and that top five scoring defense. Kyle Allen is the guy in all likelihood for the rest of November as the schedule gets a little tougher. But as the Panthers are in playoff position with five wins and three losses, going to have to be 10-6 and six or maybe better to get a wild card. Of course, the New Orleans Saints continue to set the pace in the NFC South. The Panthers more likely jockeying for position in the wild card race. 1-800-849-2761. NC State was the victim of Wake Forest. In the last 50 years, Wake Forest had not beaten an ACC team in Winston-Salem by more than the 34 points they beat the Wolfpack by. 44-10 to 10 was the final there. But in the bigger picture, to answer your question as we come to your calls, what was the best thing you saw, what was the worst thing you saw, and what made it that? Some are saying college basketball's return. Not even here yet. That's tomorrow night. But that's their best of the weekend. That's okay. Kevin Harvick in NASCAR, Chris Clemens, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James in the NBA, all best of the weekend. Georgia and Jake Fromm, Wake and Jamie Newman, Oregon and Utah, Pac-12 teams still in the college football playoff picture. UVA, thanks to quarterback Bryce Perkins and others from college football were best of. The Wolfpack had the ugliest loss among the teams we follow. But Florida State lost to Miami and then fired its coach, Willie Taggart. App State lost to arch-rival Georgia Southern last Thursday night to fall from the ranks of the unbeaten. Carolina was edged by UVA in Chapel Hill. SMU fell from the ranks of the unbeaten. ECU came close but no cigar against number 17 Cincinnati. The Pirates fell 46 to 43 rather than getting a signature victory for their new coach, Mike Houston. They fall out of the bowl picture. Virginia Tech came close at number 16 Notre Dame but fell to the Irish 21 to 20. 1-800-849-2761. The Wolfpack is 4 and 4. Nobody, I don't think, would pick them to beat Clemson this Saturday night at Carter-Finley Stadium. The number one and still undefeated Tigers will be somewhere in that top four of the new committee rankings when the college football playoff version of the committee puts out their numbers for the first time tomorrow night. So that's four and five, right, in all likelihood. We'll be there with the big tailgate tour. We hope to bring you the positive mojo that has served almost all of our host schools well throughout the 2019 season. We'll bring as much of that as we can to our post next to Backyard Bistro, 4 to 7 o'clock, leading up to that 7.30 kickoff on national TV between Clemson and NC State. 
in all likelihood, you're four and five. Louisville visits Carter Finley after that. Scott Satterfield and the Cardinals are the surprise team of the ACC. Scott Satterfield, formerly of App State, of course, is your midseason ACC coach of the year. Dave Clawson of Wake Forest getting the Deeks to 7-1. and one. Another warm and fuzzy happy story. In the triangle, not so much. State's 4-4, four and four, and if you lose to Louisville and Clemson at home, you're 4-6, and six, and then you'd have to beat Georgia Tech on a Thursday night on the road and rival North Carolina at Carter-Finley just to get to 6-6 six and six, and just to make a bowl game. Similarly, though, in case you're wondering if there's anybody to share your misery as the Wolfpack and the walking wounded on that roster come back from Winston-Salem, Duke and Carolina are no guarantees for bowl games either. Carolina's loss to Virginia means that you go from thinking if you won that game against the Cavaliers, you might be playing for the ACC title. They would have been in the driver's seat in the Coastal Division to win the division. Now you actually have a losing record despite all the recruiting positive, positivity surrounding the return of Mac Brown, despite impressive wins over the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Miami Hurricanes, and more convincingly at Georgia Tech, and then that squeaker against the Duke Blue Devils, you're, you have a losing record. You're four and five. Now, Carolina does get Mercer, an FCS team, so there's your, there's your fifth win, but that's later in November. They go to Pitt... After an open week here, this coming weekend, they go to Pitt the following Thursday night for a national TV game. Pitt is still, still has visions of making the ACC title game. The Panthers are a pretty good team that won again this weekend, and they're kind of neck and neck with UVA in the Coastal. Now, they already lost head-to-head -to, -head to the Cavs, so Pitt has to do better than just tying UVA. They need to leapfrog UVA for a second straight trip to the, coast, to the uh, ACC title game. So... As state wobbles around bowl eligibility or not, Carolina is wobbling in that same territory. Assuming you beat Mercer, you still must beat either Pitt at Pitt on national TV. You think the Panthers fans will be jacked up for that? With the Panthers at that point still playing, they'll still be in the hunt for a trip to Charlotte in the ACC title game under Pat Narduzzi. They were there last year. They're thinking, why not back-to-back, -back, right? There's a chance that the Tar Heels trip to NC State in what would be the regular season finale for both, there's a chance that they both need the win just to get to bowl eligibility. It is not a pretty picture for triangle football right now. Duke, remember, has Notre Dame next. I mean, it's possible. Virginia Tech just gave the Irish a run in South Bend. Maybe Duke gives them a run or beats them at Wallace Wade Stadium. But, of course, the Devils will be a heavy underdog to the Irish this coming Saturday night. David Cutcliffe will join us. Brian Kelly is always invited to join as well. The Devils get Syracuse, and then they'll be big underdogs at Wake Forest, and they'll be home underdogs to Miami in all likelihood. So where are the Blue Devils' next two wins coming from? Probably not Notre Dame. Probably not at Wake Forest to put a whooping on the Devils last year head-to-head, -head, and, and Wake's even better this year. Where are the Devils' next two wins coming from? Where are the Tar Heels' next two wins coming from? And where are the Wolfpack's next two wins coming from?
Louisville is a more dangerous game than anyone thought back in August. Clemson is, of course, as dangerous as everybody expected it to be. And Carolina is better than most people thought. Those are all home games for the Wolfpack, and we'll be at two of them with the big tailgate tour. But those, it's not easy to find a win there. And I don't think on a Thursday night, it's kind of like Carolina going to pit on a Thursday night. NC State is a better football team than Georgia Tech. But with the Wolfpack's massive slew of injuries, and Georgia Tech, I haven't seen them give up for Jeff Collins. They have jumped up and bitten. It was at Miami a couple weeks ago. The Yellow Jackets beat the Hurricanes. So you can't assume a win in any of the Final Four games for the Wolfpack. They need to find two wins in those Final Four. I mean, it could be (laughs) – we could be going into the weekend of November 30th with Duke needing a win, State needing a win, and Carolina needing a win for bowl eligibility. Or the triangle could be – well, in that case, somebody would win between the Wolfpack and the Tar Heels head-to-head. But who knows? Maybe they don't even have five wins at that point. It's – It's crazy. We've seen David Cutcliffe take Duke to the ACC title game and go to bowls regularly. But this, without Daniel Jones, back in the summer, we talked about it being a bowl should be the goal for the Devils. Some of you thought that was aiming too low. I'm not so sure that that wasn't the correct forecast. With Mac Brown's return, some of you were wildly optimistic. We said a bowl should be the goal. And frankly, the Tar Heels have played better than I would have thought. They've just lost a lot of these close games. So they're stuck at four and five, needing to beat somebody not named Mercer to get all the way to six wins. Either at Pitt or at NC State is going to be what it takes for Mac Brown to follow through on what he talked about with all those seniors who had won a combined five games in two years under Larry Fedora. Mac Brown's message was, this is not a rebuilding year. A bowl should be the goal and he's not going to ask those seniors to empty the effort bucket if he's going to play re- the rebuilding card. No, they're four and five. They'll beat Mercer. They have to win one of those two road games at Pitt or at NC, at NC State or both to have the kind of season that they really want to have. Late November might still be a bowl should be the goal for all three triangle teams. Larry Fedora took the heels to the ACC title game. David Cutcliffe took the Devils to the ACC title game. Dave Doran's coming off a back-to-back nine-win season. It's not like we haven't seen some special seasons or close to special from all three schools in the triangle. But, man, ECU's not going to make a bowl. We have State, Duke, and Carolina all scratching and clawing to try to get bowl eligible. App State has had a very good year but has fallen from its pedestal where it was dreaming of a New Year's Six Bowl, and now they're not even sure they can get back to a Sunbelt title game. It's been some rough sledding for our in-state football teams lately, Uh, and I mean at every level. Quick shout-out on the positive side, and then we'll get back to your best and worst of the weekend phone calls. Darren, you know we have more than 30 NCAA football teams at the college level here in North Carolina. Only one is still undefeated. Would you have, of course, it's not a Division I team, or we'd be talking about that quite a bit. (laughs) Clemson to our south comes up quite frequently in these happier conversations. Again, the Tigers will be one of the top four in the committee rankings that come out for the first time tomorrow night. It's a D2 school. Would you have any idea? We have a handful of D3 programs in our state. We have some pretty good 
FCS programs, even after App State's leap years ago to the FBS. Some regularly good D2 programs, including the two, I believe, that were undefeated and faced each other. So this you past listen weekend. to me sometimes on Fridays. I do. I do. Good Lenore Ryan and Wingate. I haven't head seen head. a result, though. Okay. Lenore Ryan got the win. Both were 8 and 0. They played at Lenore Ryan. And it was a close game, but a victory for Drew Kronick. The only undefeated team in our state is Division II Lenore Rhine. They are high in the national top 10 of the D2 rankings. Coach Kronick, former Furman offensive coordinator, went 12 and 2 last year and won the South Atlantic Championship. 9 and 0 so far this year and knocking on the door of the national top 5 of the rankings. Did you know he was the American Football Coaches Association Division 2 National Coach of the Year last year in his rookie season at Lenore Rhine? Did not rest on his laurels. Clearly, he has Lenore Rhine at 9 and 0 after the win over previously unbeaten Wingate, which I've been told can be dis- can be pronounced as Wingate or as Wingate, proud products of that program, say that it is a debate even among them. Yeah. So if they're allowed to fight over it, we're allowed to fight over it as well. 11-0, by the way. Lenore Ryan is highly favored in his last two games. So for the record, we included the little guy among our college football best of the weekends, Georgia, Wake Forest, Oregon, Utah, UVA, and Lenore Ryan for getting to 9-0. They're going to be 11-0. They're going to win, I'm guaranteeing it, a second straight South Atlantic championship. They'll be back in the D2 playoffs, so shout out to Coach Kronick and his guys. The little guy doing something special here in the great state of North Carolina. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? Kevin Harvick, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Clemens, Georgia, Wake, UVA, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Christian McCaffrey, and where do the Florida State Seminoles go from here? Willie Taggart was fired. Usually, you're treating somebody unfairly if you don't even give them two full seasons on the job. I actually see this one Florida State's way. It wasn't just the wins and too many losses. It was the details behind such things. Even Kirk Herbstreet, who goes out of his way to not take cheap shots at coaches. When it gets to be as bad as the evidence shows it to be, you got to call stuff out. Like the Wolfpack fan who didn't like the term stomping. I mean, come on, man. Wake just put up its biggest ACC home win in 50 years on your team. Of course, it's a stomping. There's no joy in that, but that's what it is. Kirk Herbstreet called out Florida State for their embarrassingly poor discipline and sometimes even bad effort against the Miami Hurricanes as one struggling former national champion, Miami, went to Tallahassee and got the win over the other struggling former national championship program, the Florida State Seminoles. It was that ugly, penalties, lack of discipline, and otherwise. Kirk Herbstreit called it out. And when that kind of stuff happens two years in a row, the details behind losing the bowl streak of three-plus decades – the details behind losing to a rival Miami that has a first-year head coach, has his guys playing better than you have as a second-year head coach at FSU. The details matter a lot 
for all coaches when they're struggling. And I think the details explained why Florida State gave Willie Taggart less than two full seasons at that helm. The search is underway, of course. That is a prominent program that should attract some prominent candidates. I don't think you're going to see the very biggest names that you've perhaps read about in the last 24 hours taking that job. Urban Meyer is not going to be the next coach at Florida State. There are some other roll-your-eyes names being thrown out as well. There are more realistic ones. I'll share my thoughts on some of those as we welcome more of your calls. 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? More on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and perhaps the leading candidate for NFL MVP, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Those stories with your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. The head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. All the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody at another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. More on the Florida State football coaching change. I promised one thing from Kirk Herbstreet, one of the best in the business of college football from ABC and ESPN. He did an Instagram post with, among others, Chris Falica and Chris Fowler. So I'll give you Herbie on the Seminoles. Uh, He had seen enough of Florida State's penalties and lack of discipline and sometimes questionable effort. If the Florida State administration had asked Herbie's opinion, I think he would have given the green light. Yes, it's only year two of Willie Taggart, but those sorts of things are always traceable, for better or for worse, to the coaching staff and ultimately the head coach. So Willie Taggart did get an uncommonly early showing of the door by the Florida State administration. I'll tell you where they go next and the parameters for such things as we welcome your questions, comments, and, of course, your best and worst of the weekend. The Panthers and Christian McCaffrey, the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, who beat the Patriots last night, handing New England its first loss of the season. Seahawks beat Tampa in overtime, and Russell Wilson's five touchdown passes and zero interceptions in that 40-34 to victory have Russell getting the most NFL MVP votes in all of the midseason straw polls that I've seen. Christian McCaffrey of your Panthers, by the way, has the most votes for the NFL's Offensive Player of the Year as he continues to put up some of the best single-season running back numbers in the history of the NFL. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw? NC State football leading the worst after that 44-10 drubbing at the hands of Wake Forest. Georgia over Florida. Wake with that win. Oregon and Utah with big wins in Pac-12 country. UVA over UNC and others getting best of the weekend as a whole lot of teams in our backyard licking their wounds from injuries and or defeats. The Tar Heels, the Pirates, the Wolfpack, the Hokies, and others that went down in some cases in close games, in other cases more avalanche defeats. Here's Kirk Herbstreet on Florida State. And remember the questions that I often ask about how your school in basketball or football or whatever, when they have a vacancy, Remember what candidates out there ask most frequently about your vacancy. They will ask some version of these questions in almost every case I've ever encountered. Can I win there? 
at some schools, they mean, can I just competitively win? Can I get to bowl games? Can I not get fired because the academics are too strict or the neighborhood is too tough or whatever? The can I win there question at a place like Florida State means do, do the candidates believe that the Seminoles can still contend for national championships? At some schools, you're asking, can I win there, meaning get to bowls so I don't get fired? At FSU, these guys saw what f just happened to Willie Taggart because he didn't live up to the Bobby Bowden-Jimbo Fisher threshold, and he didn't even get two full seasons. So when candidates are asking, can I win at Florida State, it's not just can I win a little, it's can I win compared to how they think I should win at Florida State, given that Bobby Bowden won two national titles and Jimbo Fisher won one, and the latter was just six years ago. Of course they're going to ask, how much will you pay me? And Florida State is not so deep pockets that it's going to shell out the eight to nine million that Nick Saban gets at Alabama or Dabo Sweeney is getting at Clemson right now. They can pay a lot more than most ACC schools, but they're not the deepest of deep pockets right now, in part because they're having to pay Willie Taggart $18 million just to go away. And then who's the boss? How much will you pay me? Can I win there? And who's the boss? When your university has a strange hierarchy, let's say your athletic director is hanging by a thread, or maybe your university president is near retirement. Remember, ECU has had in our backyard an unusual combination there. If you're talking to Duke about a job, Kevin White is a universally respected athletic director who's going to be there for a while. Bubba Cunningham at UNC has been there for a while, has navigated that school through a lot of adversity, athletic department and otherwise, turned down the Florida job for crying out loud. That's a guy, that's stability there, right? Carolina has had change at the chancellor slash president level, but the AD's been there, done that, going to be there. Kevin White's been there, done that, going to be there. Wake had its transition. Remember for a while, nobody knew who the ECU president or athletic director was going to be? It's hard to hire coaches when they don't have an answer to who's the boss. They don't care as much what the name on the door is. They just want to know, okay, at this school, is it really the university president who's wearing the pants? Is it really, there's some schools that, where the athletic director truly does dominate the room and the conversation and the decision making. At Florida State right now, the university president is not expected to be there for the long term. And the athletic director, even though he is relatively new, also not expected to be in their position, the two of them, for the next, you know, maybe three to four years from now. That's a negative. Now, it doesn't scare everybody away, right? If you're paying me $5 million, I might not care who my boss is going to be or that there's going to be changes in that hierarchy. But the Florida State job is not viewed the same way right now in 2019 than it was viewed, say, a decade or so ago when Bobby Bowden had one of the greatest runs in the history of college football, including two national titles with the Seminoles, and double-digit ACC titles with the Seminoles. Florida State was one of the better jobs in all of college football. Not the best, but certainly top 10. You could argue where within the top 10. That's a decade or so ago. Why did Jimbo Fisher want that job compared to – he was a high-ranking offensive coordinator, could have had a lot of jobs. Well, because Florida State has a lot to offer. It's in the Sunshine State where there's a lot of great high school recruits, right? There's tradition there. 
it's most coaches will tell you I'd rather be at the school where I can recruit saying we want you to help us get another national title rather than imagine the recruiting pitch why do we in North Carolina why do NC State UNC Duke and Wake Forest routinely lose recruits to the Clemson Tigers because the in-state coaches say we hope you can help us win a national title here someday and Dabo's recruiting pitch includes, we have two rings here in the last three years, and we'd like you to help us get another. There is no school in our state that has an FBS national championship. Zero ever at that highest level of college football. Florida State's pitch is not as good right now than it was, as it was a little bit more than a decade ago during the, toward the end, I guess, of the glory days of the Bobby Bowden era, or even what it was under Jimbo Fisher. The guy won it all with the Seminoles in 2013. That should have been easy to recruit to, right? Why not wear the garnet and gold? Why not enjoy a full 80,000-seat stadium? Well, now you're 1B to Clemson's 1A in your own division, so the job is harder than when Bobby Bowden won eight straight ACC titles upon the Seminoles joining the league in the early 1990s. So it's a trickier job on the can I win there. You still can, still a good job. But it's trickier, right, now that Clemson's a monstrosity rather than just kind of being another nice team out there. How much will you pay me? Who's my boss going to be? That's a tricky series of answers right now in Tallahassee. The answers were much more flattering back when even Jimbo Fisher or Bobby Bowden were at the helm. Here's Kirk Herbstreet on Florida State, and then we'll get back to your best and worst of the weekend. 1-800-849-2761. Herbie was not in the mood for anyone apologizing for the Seminoles' poor play. This is how he sounded on that Instagram post with Chris Fowler and Chris Falica on Saturday. I'm done with Florida State. I don't want to talk about them anymore. I hate the way they represent themselves. They, their current roster needs to go back and watch the Bobby Bowden era because it wasn't about talking trash and fighting. That's all they do. That's all. They're the most undisciplined team you're going to watch. And they're the terrible team. They need to focus more on execution and less on chirping. Do media comments about coaches on the hot seat matter? In, ser in all seriousness, 99% of the time, the answer is no. If you take somebody with one of the biggest platforms who has credibility as both a broadcaster and a former player of college football, in the case of Kirk Herbstreet, if you're the Florida State administration, of course you're smart enough to see that Willie Taggart was in charge when you missed a bowl game for the first time in more than 30 years. You don't need a lot of gridiron expertise to draw that conclusion. You don't, you don't even need to understand whether the ball is round or oblong or whether it's blown or stuffed to listen to your accounting department tell you, uh, you know, parking, parking money is down, concessions money down, season ticket renewals down, sponsorship renewals down, uh, what used to be 80,000 seats that were all filled is often 40,000 seats that are unfilled for the Seminoles under Willie Taggart over these last two years. So the money part, you don't need any football expertise for. The losing part, you don't need a lot, but a school that went to the Bulls every year for 30-plus years running was probably going to miss back-to-back under Willie Taggart in his first two years there. It 
I think the Kirk Herbstreet, it's the most undisciplined team that I've seen. A guy who's paid to travel the nation and observe every program every year. That is the one out of 100. Seriously. What if fan feedback matters only when Seminole boosters are saying, yeah, we'll help you pay the $18 million buyout money. The routine message board stuff doesn't matter at all. The routine sports radio stuff doesn't matter at all. 99 out of 100 opinions don't matter at all. Herbie saying this is as bad as it gets didn't improve Willie Taggart's chances of keeping his job. And if you've seen the broadcasts of some other Florida State games, there are former coaches who have been alarmed by what they saw discipline-wise, sometimes even effort-wise. Sometimes why are these guys looking more interested in getting into fights and pushing after the whistle than they are executing whatever they learned in practice this week when it comes to attention to detail? That's the sign of a ship where too many things had gone wrong. And again, it might not be 100% Willie Taggart's fault, but when you're the head coach... It is all traceable to you through your assistance and all the other details that we've talked about. It got weird, man. Remember when he blamed his strength and conditioning staff because Boise State's players were more hydrated than his players? I mean, lots of weird stuff happened. Usually I would defend a coach who got fired this quickly. I don't have anywhere to hang my hat on Willie Taggart given what he did over this year and two-thirds in charge of the Florida State Seminoles. 1-800-849-2761. Kevin is in Burlington and next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Go ahead with your question, comment, or vote. Uh, my best week of the weekend has got to be Wake Forest. Anybody beats the Wolfpack like that, friend of mine. 44-10, uh, man. That was a whooping. Yes, and by, and by the way, Sam, the NC State fan from the famous Wolfpack tailgate, he chimed in, I can't believe these NC State fans. DG, you were being nice when you used the word stomping. This is Sam, the Wolfpack fan, defending us from the paranoid conspiracy theorist members of Wolfpack Nation, and there are many of those. He said bleep whooping would have been far more appropriate than your use of the word stomping. I think that's what the clearer-minded Wolfpack fans are saying in large numbers uh, hopefully over the voices of the paranoid conspiracy theorists. Go ahead, Kevin. All right. So my, my worst of the weekend is my Vikings. And let me just kind of get into this a little bit. I think 23 points on the road against a journeyman backup quarterback should have been enough. Yeah. And having said that, you know, there's a there's a start, you know, a troubling statistic out there. Kirk Cousins is 0-9-1 with the Vikings when trailing in the fourth quarter. Yes. And I'll let you elaborate on that. Yeah, no. Um, I wouldn't give up on your Vikings. I think you have every right to be frustrated. I thought that was one of the best matchups of the weekend. It ended up being the Chiefs over the Vikings 26-23. to And if you're kind of just a level-headed Vikings fan, you would think that with one of the best defenses in the NFL – and remember, Kirk Cousins, although I'm assuming that exact stat is correct uh, about fourth-quarter comebacks, um, he did have a very good game, for example, against my Philadelphia Eagles. And he has had a very good season overall. If you're a Vikings fan, there's no reason not to think you're one of the better contenders in the NFC. I know the 49ers haven't lost yet. I know the Saints have a great record as well. But are you in the, on the short list of the better teams in the NFC? I would argue yes for the Minnesota Vikings. Matt Moore was starting for the Chiefs. It's one thing to lose to Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, MVP, and the Kansas City Chiefs at Kansas City. It's another thing 
to have Matt Moore and the Chiefs beat Kirk Cousins and your Vikings. Like, that's that's too much of the old Vikings for many Minnesota fans to take. That's what has been going wrong for Coach Zimmer and the Vikings. They're almost always really good defensively. They were a good team last year before barely falling short, you know, against the Philadelphia Eagles, if I remember correctly. Or is that the year before? Um, Harrison Butker, formerly of Georgia Tech, hit a game-winning 44-yard field goal. If you're the Chiefs, you got to credit Matt Moore, the former Panthers backup, and Andy Reid to lose last year's MVP at the most important position on the field, Patrick Mahomes, dislocated kneecap. Remember, he was already running around days after that ugly injury happened. That was just seemed the miraculous recovery for uh, anybody. But I guess youth can take you in that direction. They weren't confident enough to put him back into a game yet, and that's why I think the Vikings fans were a little bit more optimistic about winning at Kansas City. They put up a good fight. It went down to the wire. Harrison Butker from 44 yards for the win, another best of the weekend nominee. I wouldn't put the Vikings in worst of the weekend status, I mean, if you're a Washington fan, that's worst of the weekend. If you're a Bengals fan, I know they didn't even play, but there's the only winless team left in the NFL. That's worst of the weekend, even during a bye week. If you're a Browns fan, how far under preseason hype have you turned out to be? I mean, it's just embarrassing. If you're a Jets fan, if you're a Jets just lost to the Dolphins, the previously winless Dolphins just beat the Jets. That's a worst of the weekend. And if you're the Bears, man, you came into this season thinking you're a playoff team again. Former UNC star Mitch Trubisky is on the proverbial quarterback hot seat. We've seen one NFL head coaching dismissal, Jay Gruden in Washington earlier this year. Dan Quinn in Atlanta, you might as well follow that saga on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. He's in that same conversation as well. The quarterback hot seat conversation includes... Mitch Trubisky, number two overall pick of the Chicago Bears. He's not playing up to the level they need him to play at this stage of his still young career, but he's not a baby anymore. And the Bears have a lot of talent on defense, a decent, I guess, supporting cast on offense. And they, along with the Browns, I think, are one of the bigger underachievers of the NFL regular season. Good news around here. The Panthers, I don't know if you can say five and three is an overachievement, but five, if you had said Cam Newton's going to miss most of the first half of the regular season, back in August, wouldn't you have taken five and three? I think almost everybody who cares about the Panthers would have said yes. As Mick Mexon said earlier, the second half schedule is tougher than the first half schedule, but 30 to 20 over Tennessee, Christian McCaffrey putting up record style numbers. And that defense shutting down Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. I, Kyle Allen, obviously, 5-1 and one as a starter in place of Cam Newton. That's a lot of positivity that the, the uh, Panthers can take into the second half of the season. You can't find much positivity in Chicago, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Washington, Miami, or New York right now. 1-800-849-2761. More of your calls on the headlines, firings of the day, best and worst of the weekend that was as well. College basketball resumes tomorrow night. The long offseason is almost over, and there's a fantastic doubleheader that involves the number four in the preseason polls, Duke Blue Devils, Louisville, 
begins its season tomorrow with high expectations as well. NC State under Kevin Keats, to me, looks like a tournament team again. They host Georgia Tech tomorrow night. Roy Williams and the Tar Heels get underway hosting Notre Dame on Wednesday evening. Wake Forest and Danny Manning at Boston College. That one also on Wednesday when UVA visits Syracuse in another high-profile national matchup as well. A lot of great college hoops awaiting over the next 48 hours. One last shot at your phone calls on the other side. Best and worst of the weekend and otherwise. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in to the David Glenn Show. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance. And I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances. And I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761. Carolina State and Duke all hanging on an edge, bowl eligibility-wise, as we head into the bulk of November. Weird to see Florida State and Miami fit that description as well. The Hurricanes took a step in that direction, beating the Seminoles in Tallahassee. They're not there yet, by the way. Two teams that used to set the bar for their coaches at getting into a bowl. That's not... That's expected, dude. You got to get into a really big bowl. Florida State took another step back with that loss. Willie Taggart was fired. The Hurricanes, again, are not there yet. They're like the Tar Heels going into the Virginia game. Carolina faced the possibility of at one extreme beating the Cavaliers and ending up in the ACC title game or at the other extreme losing to UVA and depending on how things go the rest of the way, missing a bowl entirely. The Miami Hurricanes actually fit that description now. Florida State still could get bowl eligible, but they'll have to do it under their interim coach, Odell Higgins, as they still have to deal with Boston College, which won't be easy, and they still have to deal with the Florida Gators, which won't be easy. So as they're four and five, uh, that is not an easy path to bowl eligibility. Of course, Florida State fans far more concerned about Willie Taggart's successor right now than what happens in a mostly meaningless remaining, remaining regular season. Jack is in the triangle and wants to talk about the Seminoles. It is one of the more prominent college football programs in the country, and whereas the others who fit that description, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, uh, they're probably going to be one through four in tomorrow night's college football playoff committee rankings. So they're still hitting on all cylinders. The Seminoles have fallen on hard times. Jack, welcome to the David Glenn Show. What did you think of the Willie Taggart move? As some are saying, he didn't get enough time, but I, I saw as much as I wanted to see, and so did Kirk Herbstreit of ABC and ESPN. Yeah, uh, David, you're exactly right. And, you know, I was telling uh, the gentleman I was speaking to on the phone uh, before I got on that I had an opportunity to have a conversation with David Coburn a year ago in the box at the NC State-Florida State game, and nobody wanted Willie Taggart to succeed more than David Coburn. Yeah. And uh, the people of Florida State, even though and David didn't hire him, but he was 100% behind him. Right. He said, he told me, we'll give Willie the air cover. He's got to make up the more disciplined, more organized football team. I'm not seeing it right now, but we're going to give him time. We're going to give him an air cover. <clears throat> and if you looked at the Miami game and the progression since that NC State game last year, the team, if anything, at best, it's treading water. Yeah. If not going backwards. And Herb Street's rant, that was 
the FSU administration, I think, was behind Willie. The fans open, welcomed him with open arms. He can't go out and say, Willie's a great guy, but Florida State's a garbage program. Right. Even though Jimbo left a very rotted foundation, Willie's had it for two years now, and a lot of those kids on the roster are kids he recruited. Yeah, and, you know, you could probably add to this list, Jack. It sounds like you're a, an intense Seminole supporter. When you're complaining about Boise State's players being more hydrated than yours in a game in Tallahassee where theoretically your guys have a lot more time to acclimate to hot weather than Boise State's dudes do up in Idaho, when you barely beat Louisiana Monroe by a point, right, a Sun Belt team that's not even a prominent Sun Belt team, when you have this weird record, you might even know the numbers, where Willie Taggart's teams at FSU, the number of times they were either tied or ahead at the break, and they just got completely annihilated in the second half, now you have people second-guessing your halftime adjustments. Now you have people second-guessing your strength and conditioning and high, you know, hydration program. Now you have people second-guessing why you have so many penalties and you know Herbie stuff about guys looking for a fist fight more than they were looking to win a football game. That's a lot of layers. And whereas some are saying, and again, I, in most contexts, firing a coach less than two seasons in, I think is overkill and not enough time. I actually think this is the exception to the rule because Jack's got his list. I've got my list. Herbie's got his list. I don't think they were unfair to, her, to, to Willie Taggart. And that's my bottom line. It sounds like it's yours too, Jack. Exactly, David. That was well well put, much more concisely and clearly than me. <laughs> hey, thanks for playing, man. We, we battled through your uh, rough sell there, but we got the bulk of your message. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch. Next. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four ties, <laughs> not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the Thanks to Mick Mixon of the Carolina Panthers, Jordan Martinook, Marty Party from the Carolina Hurricanes, Greg Gumbel, Christian McCaffrey, Kirk Herbstreet, and Mac Brown also contributed to today's program, and we appreciate that. We also appreciate Voice of the Phoenix, Taylor Durham, Stephen and Susan Moss, Tony and Julie Trishiani, the folks from Wilson Tire Pros, the folks from the Elon 7 a.m. tailgate that we'll see here in studio in the not-too-distant future, and the folks with Continental Tire who helped us put together another good big tailgate tour stop at Elon. Enjoy the games tonight, including Monday Night Football. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.